when you see that kind of stuff. Um, it just makes it real. It reminds me. Uh, so I had the day off on uh, on uh, on Friday. Uh, so I'll salute to anyone in here who's uh, a veteran who served this country. It's a wonderful country that we call uh, our home for now. You know. So yeah, you could clap. You know. Um, you know, I, I share that because uh, you know me and Veronica, we we hung out. We had like a little uh, little. Uh, we were supposed to go out on a date, and then it went from wanting to go out to get some need to being like, oh no, we'll we'll just get we'll pick up some Sendai and come home. And then it went from not spending seventy five dollars for lunch, just go to In and Out and let's just watch a movie on Pure Flix. And we found uh, this movie called Indivisible. Oh man, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but man, that movie I was like crying the whole time. Based on a true story, basically a couple. Uh, you know, the husband went to uh, seminary and uh, he was a chaplain and he served in the Gulf War. He was a chaplain over there. And when he went over there, boy, everything became real, as real as it was here stateside. When he went over there and experienced everything that went on from him having to, you know, carry a, a, a he had he had three young children, uh, one boy and I think two, two, two little girls. And, you know, he had to carry this dead child into the into the end of the camp and you know just all the things that went on uh, but it was just such a uh, inspiring movie and uh, it just shows you how you know it's real faith is real faith is like what that young lady was talking about it it, it, it moves you from just this intellectual belief and understanding to you actually moving and doing amen um i have a I have an update, so I'll share that now because I think it's good. I think it's timely, um, being that we are ending the book of Revelation today, which is super exciting. Um, I'm very excited for the message this morning, but uh, and we're going to get into it. I, I had been praying about it for a while, and I believe that the Lord was showing me the book of James, and I'm like, yeah, the book of James, the book of James is a great book. And uh, we are going to get into the book of James, <laughs> Lord willing, but y- y- you also have to understand that the uh, you know sometimes my timing might be off, and I got to go on the Lord's timing. And as I continued praying and praying about it, uh, the Lord had mentioned to me, you know, the Old Testament. What about the Old Testament? You know, and uh, and then I, I heard a message where the book of Haggai was talked about a little bit, and I got super convicted over what was shared in that book. That book is a very short book, only two chapters, but it's very powerful. It talks a lot about the remnant, the remnant of Israel. And I talk about a lot about the remnant church. But in that book, the Lord rebukes the remnant because the remnant has become stale, if you will, focused on their own inward things that they need, but they weren't about their father's business. They weren't rebuilding the temple. And so uh, there's a lot of imagery in there. There's a lot of things that you can see tangibly in our own lives. We're not necessarily at all rebuilding a physical temple, but uh, complacency can, can, can set in. And so the book of Haggai is going to be the next book that we're going to go through. It's two chapters. I'm not sure the timeline. I don't know how long it's going to go. And uh, from what I sense the Lord showing me, we'll get into the book of James after that. So that's just some food for thought. If you want to read ahead and uh, just get insight on what that book is about. I know it's not a popular book, so to speak, in the Bible. It's not taught on a lot, but it's a very important book. So we're going to head that book up, uh, probably do an introduction starting next week. And then we'll get into that. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up. That's where we're headed in the near future. And also be in prayer. Uh, Christmas falls on Sunday. And whether or not you're going to be in town or out of town, if you're going to be in town, um, my, me and my wife, we've been praying about it. And, you know, we want to we want to do something special on that day, but not just for that day in particular. And it falls in line with the book of Haggai. Like, how can we be? more visible to this community around us here. So please be in prayer about those things because we're looking to get more active come into the new year uh, just in regards of just whatever the Lord is showing us just to be obedient about that. Amen? All right. With that, uh, we're in Revelation chapter 22 this morning. 
we're wrapping up uh, the book of Revelation, verses 14 down through 21. Uh, great message, great message here, and uh, just excited for what the Lord is going to share this morning. So uh, when you get there, if you can, please stand for the reading of God's word. Once again, we're in Revelation chapter 22. We'll be in verse, verses, excuse me, 14 down through 21. And this message is entitled, Jesus is coming soon. This is uh, the second part to a little two-part series we started last week. And they go ahead and it reads, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your, for your love. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that you always come through. But we don't have to doubt what your will is. We know your will and your desire is for men and women to be saved. But the bottom line is, Lord, as individuals, we need to choose you, Lord. We need to see the importance of who your son Jesus Christ is. Lord, I pray that as time goes on, that this would just be such a real truth that we would, our lives would just be transformed day in, day out. We would just grow stronger in you that we would grow stronger in uh, our desire to please you and to serve you. Lord, you measure our, our love for you by how we love people. May we be the true church that loves people, that cares for people, that is willing to stick, stick our necks out there for those around us. May we not be those that wait around and say, well, someone else will do it. My neighbor will do it. May we be those who take the initiative led by the power of the Holy Spirit and share Jesus Christ with the world around us. Father, please take the wheel and have your way in this message. May your word go forth. May your truth speak to the hearts and the lives of your people. It's in Jesus Christ's name that I pray. Amen. All right. So uh, last week, we took uh, a brief look at belief and obedience how these two things, they go hand in hand. They, they fit like a hand in a glove. You cannot have one without the other. Jesus said, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Meaning those who put into practice the teachings of Jesus Christ on a daily basis are those who will be blessed eternally. Um, and I can't get that picture out of my mind. Uh, uh, you know, just um, what... Operation Christmas Child does the fact that they're taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to <laughs> these countries around the world. That's 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 paying attention and putting into practice what the Lord Jesus said to share the truth of the gospel, not to water it down, to call it what it is and show that there is salvation on the other end for those who receive Christ as their Savior. Every one of us who lives in that manner will be blessed eternally, will be invited into the gates of heaven. We were also reminded last week never to worship anything that is created or anyone 
other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the, the angels, don't bow down. Don't get on your knees. I'm on the same team as you. We are to never worship anything or anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, we learn that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one true God, the only one that is able to open a door and to close a door. Today, we will hear again directly from Jesus Christ as he personally invites all who have trusted and obeyed in him into heaven. And with that, we have several main points. And the first one is this. Only those who come to Jesus Christ on his terms will be granted the right to enter into the gates of heaven. See, there, there, there's something very important there. It's his terms. It's all about his terms. You see, the world has all sorts of ideas about how you can get to heaven when you die. Some people believe if your good deeds outweigh your bad, you're going to make it to heaven. Well, I mean, I didn't rape nobody. I didn't murder nobody. I mean, you see on the news, you see what's going on. People, you know, people getting chopped up, gunned down. I didn't do all that. I'm going to go to heaven based on that. That's what some people, they truly believe that. They think that if their good deeds outweigh their bad, they're going to make it to heaven. Others believe that I mean, we're all going to go. We're all going to go to heaven. God's love. He, he's love. You know, there, there's something called dualism, which is very dangerous. It, it's something from ancient times, but it has crept into the church. It has crept into the main line churches, and now it is in the evangelical churches. It's this belief that God only believes and cares about your soul. He doesn't care about your body. So you can go ahead and be as immoral as you want to be. Just make sure you don't forget about Jesus. Now, that's a clear heresy. Jesus cares a whole lot about your body. <laughs> he don't want you doing all kind of heinous stuff and then proclaiming you believe in him. So, you know, that whole thing about God is love and he's just going to accept everybody. Some people really believe that everyone will go to heaven Many others just tune out eternity entirely and live with the mentality of, well, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it when, when I get there. When I get there, you know, it's going to work out. God's going to know. God's going to know that I'm a good person. And they don't, even, they don't even bat an eye in this life to the reality of either eternity and peace or damnation forever. They just don't think about it. They, it it's, uh, again... Uh, we can sear our consciences so we don't have to deal with it. We think it's easier. But that's like someone who has stage four cancer and just says, I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm just going to ignore it and live my life. And you, you, can, you can ignore it. But eventually it will come knocking at your door. And the same thing with eternity and where you will spend it. It will come knocking at your door and my door one day. Be wise for us to be prepared. Amen. You see, all of these worldviews are incorrect. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 tells us clearly, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. We're all familiar with this portion of scripture, but this is the correct view of how one gets to heaven. Jesus Christ himself is the gate. You have to go through Christ directly and it's hard. He pulls no punches. He tells you and I straight up the Christian life is hard. It's the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do. Easy is that wide gate. Do whatever you want. <laughs> no, no consequences. Treat people however you want. Please yourself. You know, I, I heard a great message this morning and um, talking about uh, what the church in Thyatira had to go through. We talked about this in Revelation chapter two. We have to understand it. You know, 
If you were any trade, you had to be a part of these trade groups in order to have work. But these trade groups were worshiping false gods. So it wasn't that you just had to worship a false god. You also had to partake in eating false god, uh, uh, eating food given to false idols and false gods. And that's not that bad because, you know, Paul talked about, you know what? Hey, if it doesn't, if it doesn't bother your conscience, it's not about what you eat. It's not what you put in your body that defiles you. It's what comes out of it. But it's the next part that was really bad. In order to keep your work, you not only had to worship these false gods, you not only had to eat these, this food offered to these false gods, you had to participate in these immoral sexual practices that they did. They had, they had temple prostitutes, and you had to engage in this kind of interaction and do things that were grotesque and not right and ungodly to your body and other people's bodies in order to please these false gods. And if you didn't do it, you were out of work. That's no different than nowadays. You got many people, unfortunately, many churches involved in all kind of stuff. And they don't, these pastors don't want to talk about sin. Because they don't want to disrupt. They don't want to make their churchgoers feel uncomfortable. Well, sin's a reality. Sin is something we have to always talk about. If we ignore sin, what does the Bible say? A little leaven leavens what? The whole lump. <laughs> you want to see your life balloon up into a hot mess? Go ahead and d ignore the sin in your life. The easiest way to keep short accounts with the Lord is, I heard it this morning. Betty said, sometimes when I pray, I just tell the Lord, I don't even know what to pray. That's okay, because that's revealing that you're calling on him for everything. We got to keep short accounts. We got to be real with the Lord. We got to be real with ourselves. But this all goes back to, again, sticking to the script, <laughs> the scriptures, sticking to Christ, going through the narrow gate, not that broad gate that leads to destruction. I like, uh, has anybody, is anybody watching, maybe I'm, I'm late on all this, but uh, season two of The Chosen, you guys know that series, right? Yeah. So I, I, yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great, uh. That's something I'll binge watch because <laughs> it just is so real and how they capture the personalities of the disciples. And, oh, it's just a great it's a great it's a great show. But, um, you know, the intro, you, you know, you got all these fish. They're going one way. They're swimming one way. And then you got a few fish that are going the different way. It's like salmon, right? They swim upstream. And uh, you're fighting the current. You're fighting the, the ways of this world. You're not going the way of the world. You're going in exact opposition. That's your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. You're going the opposite way. You're going the right way where everything around you seems to go in one direction. It's that same concept of that wide gate. Many are going that way. But my encouragement to you is don't get discouraged because that's what you see. If your hope is in Christ, you're, you're not going to be moved by what is seeming to be the majority around you. You know that you're part of that chosen group that's swimming upstream. And little by little, as you share your faith and are faithful to the Lord in everything you do, you're going to see people, little by little, turning, <laughs> going the way of the Lord. You see, again, it's, it's all about what we do with our sphere of influence. What are we doing? How are we connecting? I don't know what the number Gene said, 150 boxes, something like that. That's nothing to scoff at. You see, I think we get into trouble when we start looking at the things that we're a part of as so minuscule and small. We actually rob the Lord Jesus Christ of his credibility and his power when we think of ourselves in that way. Like, oh, what can little old me do? Well, you could do a whole lot if you're led by the power of the Holy Spirit. If anybody thought like that, whoever made an impact in this world, nothing would have ever gotten done. So you got to throw that false mentality out that you can only do so much. What does the Bible say? If you're faithful in little, what? What's going to happen? You're going to get more to be faithful with. And when in eternity, you're going to be given more responsibility. But if you are not faithful with the very little bit, 
That means you're going to squander off anything that's given. I learned this this morning and I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Obviously, we know the Lord loves a cheerful giver, right? Somebody who's a bitter giver, does the Lord not love, love them? And I always used to think, no, the Lord don't love them. You know, he, lo- he loves someone who's a bitter giver, but he's got a special soft place in his heart for the cheerful giver. You know, so you want to be that cheerful giver. You don't want to be someone who gives begrudgingly. And it's like, oh, I, you know, you want to give with a good heart. Amen. You see, we come to Jesus Christ on his terms. No one can change them. I didn't create the terms. All I can do is submit myself to his authority and come to him on his terms. Because you see, you will either conform to him or you will conform to this world. Those are the two paths. People will say, oh, no, there's got to be more to it than that. No, there really isn't. It's just the wide gate has a bunch of roads, but they all lead to the same destination, destruction and death. But if you conform to him, you conform to true life. You see, the Bible is clear in Romans chapter two, verse, uh, 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, all that is wrapped up in what the first verse said about the the, the narrow gate. It's hard, but it leads to life. Because he says, be be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your life be transformed by the renewing of how you think. Taking on the mind of Christ and leaving behind your fleshly carnal mind. By testing. Who likes tests? Nobody. Because you're being tested. You have to answer correctly. Have you been studying? Are you aware of what the right answer is? That's what I mean by, well, that's what the Bible means by it's hard living a life for Christ. Because what? God's a good God. He's going to test you. A lot of times people say, oh, it's Satan. Sometimes you know that it's the Lord. The Lord's testing. He wants to see where you're at. He wants to see where I'm at. Are you growing? How's he going to test you? He's going to put you in a pickle, allow you to be in a difficult circumstance, a difficult situation. How do you and I respond? Do we respond with the heart and the mind of Christ? Or are we just super irritated and upset? He says that when our minds get renewed, we're going to be tested and we should be able to discern what the will of God is, that it's good and acceptable and perfect. And that's a, when you, when you can gauge your life and you're like, man, I'm starting to grow in those areas. Man, praise God. That's a beautiful thing. Discernment is so important. There is such a lack of discernment in our culture today. That's what people just let anything fly. And it's not okay. Have discernment. Be able to say no. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not engaging in that. I don't care who tried to make you feel bad about it. If it's not what the Lord is showing you you should do, you need to get away from that situation as quickly as possible because you don't want to engage in stuff that's just not pleasing to the Lord. It's so much better to be conformed to the moral image of Jesus Christ who is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Much better than being conformed to what we find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 down through 21. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warn you before that those who do such things will not enter into the kingdom of God. That's the first main point. We, we want to get into heaven. We got to come to Christ on his terms and stay with Christ on his terms. Don't, don't drift away because life's gotten difficult or, you know, for whatever reason, the culture's changed. So, you know, we got to be more accommodating. No, you don't. You know, all this inclusivity is just another way Satan's trying to grab people and say, come on with me. Come on with me. My time is short. I'm trying to drag souls to hell. 
Roll my way. Don't go that way. Amen. All right. The second main point is this. Jesus Christ is the root of David and the bright morning star. You see, these titles are extremely important when trying to understand prophecy and scripture and also trying to understand the deity of Jesus Christ being unmatched by anyone or anything. You see, Jesus has sent his angel to deliver the message of revelation to John the Apostle. He said that this message of revelation is for the churches. That's what, that's what Jesus said. This is what this angel sent by the Lord said to John, that this message is for the churches. This is not for non-believers. What we've been going through for however long we've been going through it, the book of Revelation, this is for those who claim to be believers. You see, churches should be teaching and heeding the contents of this last book in the Bible. To ignore the book of Revelation is, is like rejecting the gift that Jesus Christ has presented to the churches. This is a gift. And again, this is something that we should want to understand, not run from, not be afraid of. You know, a lot of people are talking about the bowls and the judgments and all this and that. And I get it. it it's, it's, it's interesting. It's exciting. But that is not the premise of this book. If we don't get that the heart and core of this book is about Jesus Christ, Christ and his redeeming desire to save mankind, then we've missed the whole point. That's what it's about. You see, Jesus was born as a descendant of King David. You can read about that in the book of Matthew. He is the rightful heir to the kingdom God promised to David. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. The angel Gabriel prophesied that Jesus would reign over his kingdom from the throne of his father David. I'll read this for context purposes. This is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 31. 1 down through 33, and it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. But it doesn't end there. Jesus is also called the bright morning star. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 promises Israel that the sun of righteousness will arise with healing in its wings. I'll read that verse as well. It says, but for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Again, Jesus is identified as this bright morning star. Just as the physical morning star appears as the sun rises so jesus will come for the church before he returns to restore israel to himself and that that's that whole idea of us being raptured being caught up with the lord and that's going to be a beautiful thing third main point is this anyone who hears truly hears christ is invited to come to him and drink freely from himself for he is the living water, and they are invited to drink from him without charge. You see, salvation is a free gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tell us, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. This verse extends the final invitation to sinners of all kind to come to Christ and quench their spiritual thirst. The Holy Spirit extends this invitation through the bride who is the church. That's us. That's what, why we are supposed to be about our Father's business. When we share the love and the truth of Jesus Christ to those around us, we're extending that invitation. Hey, come. <laughs> come drink from the Lord Jesus Christ. Come be revived. Come get your soul saved. So that you may be included, like that young lady said, adopted into this royal family. That is our responsibility and that's our privilege as the church. That should be a strong desire that we have. We have to seriously question our priorities if we don't have a strong desire to reach out to people for uh, the glory of God through salvation in Him, through His Son Jesus Christ. That should be something that's ever present on our mind and in our hearts. It should be. Jehovah's Witnesses are all about it. 
They going out every weekend militantly, knocking on all kinds of doors, spreading falsehood. We as believers, we have the truth. We should be about our Father's business. I'm not saying be all militant about it in, in, in that way where it's not a legalistic thing. But again, in your sphere of influence, in my sphere of influence, are we taking the opportunity, every opportunity that we can get to share the gospel to those around us? That is what we are responsible for. You see, those who come to Christ drink the water of life freely. We all remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, right? Her reputation was that of a wretch. She had all kind of husbands. And the man she was married to or was living with, her in-house lover, was not her husband either. And what did Jesus tell her? Jesus said, hey man, if you, if you come drink from what I have, you will never have to come to this well again. He's talking about the spiritual water. And at first she didn't get it, but eventually she, she figured it out because he revealed things to her about herself. And she's like, well, I've, <laughs> you told me things that I... This is crazy. And she went, what did she do? She was so excited. She was spreading that gospel. And that's what it's about. She responded gladly to Jesus's offer of living water. How sad it is that so many people do not respond that way. They're given the opportunity to drink freely from the living water of Jesus Christ and they outright reject it. All right, let's go ahead and get into these verses. Verses 14 and 15, and it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Okay, let's, let's focus in, because that's a lot going on right there. Let's focus in on this first portion right here. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes and do his commandments. The washing of robes mentioned here is a metaphor for purification from uncleanliness. Uncleanliness meaning sin, right? We know sin, it, it, it's a stain. It, 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 it's, not, it's not white like snow. It, it creates this, this blemish. And that's what sin is spiritually in our lives. This verse pronounces a blessing on those who are cleansed from their sin. A reference to those who are saved through their faith in Christ. If you put all your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ alone, you're saved. That's it. That is it. Your faith's not in your husband. Your faith's not in your children. Your faith's not in me. Your faith's not in this church. Your faith is in Christ alone. That is what saves you. That is what makes you right with Him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 tells us, In Him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. You see, it's everything encompasses Christ. And that's why it's like, as you grow in your walk with Him, and you grow in your, your prayer life and in your study life, it's like, I don't got nothing else. If you want to talk about the Bible, I ain't got nothing else to talk about but Christ. We can talk about all the lineages and all that. It all comes back to Jesus. You know, I don't need to get, I, I mean, it's good, it's good to get information. It's good to understand the genealogies and all those things. But if we miss the main point that it's all about Jesus, then we've missed the point. It's not about having all this information. It's about, it's, it's, it's salvation is in Christ and in Christ alone. And if he's become real to you, it's going to be evident in the way you live your life. Your life should be bubbling up that living water, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. And you're going to be infectious in regards to everyone you come across because you cannot keep that kind of living water bubbled up inside of you. I don't care who you are. I get there's times to be solemn and there's times to be quiet. But if you're overly quiet to where you never talk about Christ with nobody else and you're not enthused, I mean, I watch sports all the time. 
cats, I mean, college people, shirts off in freezing weather, spelling the name of their team. They got weird masks on. They're doing all this hoopla. They're screaming at the top of their lungs for a sport where these athletes do not know who you are. They really don't care a lick what's going on after because they're doing their own thing. But people lose their minds over sports. What was I watching the other day? Oh, yeah, the Warriors. Who were they playing? They were playing the Cavaliers. People were going crazy. They stand to their feet clapping and cheering because Steph Curry hit a three-point shot to win the game. I get it. But it's like if you don't have that kind of energy for the Lord, dare I say, you're your priorities are misdirected you're not getting it i'm not saying we got to run around jumping and hooting and hollering in here but when you recognize what's been done for you it's okay to shout hallelujah praise the lord thank you lord jesus for what you've done for me there should be there should be an energy in you that like you're pumped up and we were talking to fred earlier he's gonna be 80 years old the man looks not, not, not a day over, over 65, or he's going to be higher than 80. 81. What is that from? What does that come from? That comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can give you vitality, youthfulness, can give you the quickening of your mind to where you're alert, you're ready, right? And, and, and these things come from the Lord in the same way that, 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 that energy and that excitement. Jean has it. She, she's so excited every year about Operation Christmas Child. She's like 20 years old running around here. Why? Because it's, 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 it's what the Lord gives you when you are submitted. and you. Re- but it comes from a place of you recognizing how real he is. And he becomes that Lord and that Savior of your life. When he becomes Lord and Savior of your life, how can you not do anything but what he calls you to do you're submissive to him because you recognize what's been done for you and you want to please him and i I just pray that that would just grow in an infectious way in us more and more i know it's growing in me i know it's growing in my marriage i know it's growing in my children it's it's such a joy i I get to sit back and you know i'm listening to seeing my kids in the living room and and it brings me to tears i'm just seeing them you know singing these worship songs and uh it's like, I'm so blessed. I'm the richest man in the world. You know, Elon Musk has nothing on what I got because my children are acknowledging that fact that Jesus Christ is king. And that's something that money could never buy. It's such a beautiful thing just to know that your loved ones are being exposed to the Lord. And even like the situation you were sharing, it's, that's it. That's it, and, and, and it's this gradual thing, and that's why we need to continue on in how we live our lives. We're living not merely for us. We're living for those around us so that other people can experience this same joy, this same peace that we have. Amen? Getting back to this, uh, speaking of where we are, this was the seventh blessing given in the book of Revelation. The righteous are allowed into the eternal city, the new Jerusalem, and now have access to the tree of life. Remember, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he provided an object lesson to them. He was trying to teach them something about spiritual cleansing. Remember Peter? <laughs> I just think, every time I think of Peter now, I just think of the chosen, the, the, the man who plays that because he plays him so well. You know, Peter, <laughs> Peter's a trip. He like. <laughs> He's all, you know, he, but, you know, the Lord's like, man, I'm, you're going to be used as a leader. We just, you just got to harness that, that enthusiasm. I'm talking about enthusiasm. Sometimes we have too much. <laughs> We're just off the rail. Peter was off the rails, but Peter's like, you know, no, don't wash, don't wash my feet, Lord. You can't, you can't do it. And Jesus told him, if I don't wash you, you don't have no share with me. And then Peter's like, I'll wash my whole body. Just give me a shower. Just bathe me because I, I need, I need to be right. And then Jesus said, the one who has bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but he's completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you is clean. He's talking about, you know, hey, the fact we have a traitor in the camp. He knew what Judas was going to do, you know, but, but Jesus is trying to point out this picture. He was trying to teach this lesson, um, you know, about ritual and real full cleansing, healing, what that means. You know, it, it, it was a humbling thing for, for the Lord to get down on his knees and wash the disciples' feet. But he's saying, you know, this is what you should do for one another. And the application is this. The Christian is fully washed in the blood of the Lamb, but as he walks through this life, he or she occasionally 
needs cleansing from sin, right? Because we sin sometimes, but we need to confess it and we're made right in the blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this is the beauty of our relationship with the Lord. Now, this is never meant to be taken out of context and meant that we can just have a license to do whatever we want. But you and I know, anyone in here who's had young children knows, man, it gets stressful. You know, there's times where I'm just like, Kalos, I'm ready to wring your neck, <laughs> kid. <laughs> and, and, and I'm just keeping it real. And things go on, and then it's like, Lord, I got to get right. And I got to get right. But I'm so grateful that if I confess my sins to my Lord, He is faithful and just to cleanse me of my sins and for all, from all my unrighteousness. And it's simple as that. It's about keeping short accounts with God. You don't let sin fester for three weeks. And then get right. It's like you recognize it. It's like, okay, I need to get right. As humbling as it is, whatever. If it's with a spouse, if it's with a coworker, if it's with a friend, if it's within your, uh, your, your, your ability to do so, you need to live peaceably with all people and you need to get right. Sometimes we may need not even be the ones that are in the wrong, but we still have to humble ourselves to make the situation right. And that's just, that's the reality. Look at Christ. He wasn't wrong and he humbled himself he humbled himself to the point where he went to the cross he definitely didn't have to go to the cross i mean obviously we know he needed to go because he's the only one that's you know free of sin and 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 the only sacrifice that would that would do but in the sense of he didn't do nothing wrong he didn't do anything wrong we're the ones who should have been hanging up on that tree not him but us hanging wouldn't have done nothing (laughs) We'd all go to hell because we're all wicked people. It's just wicked people dying for wicked people. That's like the blind leading the blind. Don't do no good. But you see, doing his commandments does not earn us eternal life, but it is evidence that we have been granted eternal life. And that's a beautiful thing. Again, that's how we can gauge. All right. How's my walk with the Lord? There should be evidence. I should see a difference in my behavior. I should not be the same person I was 10 years ago. That's, very, that's a very slippery slope <laughs> if we don't see growth, if we don't see gradual change, if we don't see us maturing spiritually. We need to ask the Lord to help us to do so. Amen? It's true. We got to be honest with ourselves. Don't be that person who just thinks it's all good because you don't want to hear, depart from me, I never knew you. That is, that is, just, that is such a scary thought. <laughs> Such a scary thought. And, and, and Satan will play tricks on your mind, too. That's why it's important to stay rooted in the word daily on your knees. You just got to figure it out and find the time and do it. Amen. OK. There are inherent blessings in doing his commands, keeping his commandments. There's inherent blessings because they are good and right for us. It's good for us to have no other God but him. Because it keeps you from falling into the trap of worshiping people and things that you don't need to worship. Again, I go back to these sports analogies. Because it's like I see people and it's like, that's their church. (laughs) That's their church. And they worship there. They show up three and a half hours before the game. And they barbecue and party and do all this. And I'm, you know... I get it. In and, in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. I'm not saying if you go tailgate, you're a, you're a sinner bound for hell. But what I'm saying is, it's just crazy that people invest. We invest so much time into stuff that's, at the end of the day, trivial. We have to have our priorities right. And if we honor the Lord as He is, we can enjoy things, but we keep it in His perspective. We don't we don't start worshiping stuff or people. We worship God. I believe you can enjoy sports. But if you're honoring the Lord, you're not going to go. I don't care who it is. You're not going to be worshiping some man just because he's a very good athlete. You're going to be like, it's cool. I like you. I like you a lot. I'm not going to say I love you. <laughs> I'm not worshiping you. I'm not bowing down at your feet. I mean, people, they go crazy. Fainting and Really? It ain't that deep. It is not that deep. I'm not going to get trampled 
like a herd of, 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 of meat just to get some autograph from some person. What, to sell it on eBay because it's going to be worth all kind of money? I'm not sure. Again, that whole thing, that whole, that's a rabbit hole, but I'm saying you see how imbalanced that is. You want the autograph so you can get money. Well, your perspective's all wrong. You're chasing after worldly wealth. That's not right. If you were at peace with the Lord, you'd be able to enjoy all that stuff, but it, it's nothing, it's no sweat off your back. You're like, oh, it's all good. Not a big deal. Anyways, that's just food for thought. Okay, but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers. Okay, what about these people outside? What is this talking about? Well, dogs, the term dog, back then in the Jewish culture, this was an insult. <laughs> this was, uh, you call, they called the Gentiles dogs. You're a dog. <laughs> it just sounds horrible. Now you, hey, what's up, dog? What's up? What's up, dog? <laughs> Well, hey, that's, that's how some people talk. What's up, dog? What's up, homie? It wasn't like that back then. Dog was not a term of endearment. Those are my dogs. <laughs> no, it, you were a dog. You were like scum. You were not, that wasn't a cool thing to be called back then in the first century. You see, packs of wild dogs roamed throughout the city streets and they scavenged from trash and even dead bodies. They were just roaming. They're like roaches on four legs. They were just trying to get a meal. That's how dogs were. They were considered unclean. And then sorcerers. These are those who practice black magic with an emphasis on drugs and potions. I don't even want to get into all that. It's so crazy. It's so off the hook. It's so going on today. You got white witches. They think they're doing good. Anything of that is all occult. That is all demonic. That is all, I mean, trying to summon the dead. That's, that's not energy you want to mess with. But there is people out there. They are subscribing to this nonsense. They are inviting demonic demons. They're the demonic spirits into their lives. And they think they're doing the right thing. We live in the most concentrated area. Well, Santa Cruz. Most concentrated area of Wiccans and all that stuff in this country it's no joke and that is in direct opposition to the word of god okay but the thing to remember here is you don't have to be afraid of any of that stuff because you have the holy spirit living within you as a believer in jesus christ remember demons they, they can't even hold a light to christ remember legion in that man they're like don't send us don't send us to the bottomless pit yet. And so Jesus put them into the pigs, you know. But the whole thing is, understand that this stuff is real. And this is another reason why you and I should be readily in tune with the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit so you can be insulated with truth. So when you rub elbows with those who are in the occult and all that stuff, you know what to do. You don't got to be scared. But you could speak love and truth into their lives, and now it's on them to do. They got to do something with it. <laughs> they got to do something with it. the balls in their court. You, know, you don't go on the offensive, and you don't go attacking. But I'm saying, when you come in contact with people like that, you know what to do. But if you're not in the Word, if you got a loosey goosey relationship with Jesus Christ, what you gonna do when 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 you get hit in the mouth with that kind of stuff? You're not gonna know what to do. So stay in the Word <laughs> because it's real. We go on and we see the sexually immoral. It's these that commit adultery and fornication of any kind and, and all kind of grotesque things that I don't even need to get into. Okay, You just know that it's not right. It's not what the Lord says we should be doing. It's those people who, how can I say it? They live like that and they don't want to change. Okay, Maybe you have, maybe you haven't been there. But the Lord is forgiving. But this is in regards to those who hold a clutch fist to God and say, I'm not going to change. This is how I want to live. This is what I'm going to do. I don't believe in you. I don't want your forgiveness. It's he's speaking of those kind of people. It's not the people that are trapped in all this stuff and want to get out. There's grace and mercy for that. And the Lord's provisions will provide for people to get saved that are coming out of lifestyles like that. But I'm talking about those who they don't want to. It's like, okay, yeah, you live your best life now and you see what's going to happen. It's going to suck for you for a very, very long time. So I guess you better get all you can now because it's not going to be good the other side. Murderers. It's basically, though, we know, I mean, it's self-explanatory, right? Somebody who doesn't 
take the, sanct- the sanctity of life, thinking that someone else is created in the moral image of God, and they take their life. They snuff them out like they have no consideration for human life. That, like, they don't believe that people bear the image of God being born and created. And then idolaters or idol worship of false gods, including material objects and even people and, and human beings. Because our people and human beings are the same thing. You get what I'm saying. See, some people tend to think, oh, well, it's only worshiping people. But if I, I love these Nikes or I love this car, it's like, that's idol. That's idol worship. Oh, I love my YouTube page. I'm constantly checking on my YouTube page. How many views I get today? Can I be monetized? Oh, do I, how many followers do I got? You know, that's all, it's all about followers now. How many people are following me on Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram? It's like, why, why do you need all these followers? You know that Jesus is the only one that has all the followers. You know, we need to follow Christ. You know, why do you want to follow you for what? You're following people that are doing a wrong path. That's an idol. That's idolatrous. Those who bore the mark of the beast were idolaters because they worshiped the beast. They worshiped the things that are of the beast. When we worship uh, this economy, when we, wa- when we worship this technology, I know people, they worship Apple. They worship Apple. It's like Apple, every, I got the Fitbit, this bit, that bit, iPhone, I think. It's like, what is wrong with you? Anti-Samsung, I can't do anything. It's like, what is wrong with you, man? You know, and they got that dumb Apple that's half been into. What do you think that's saying? It's saying that they think they got all the knowledge like from the garden. Fool, I'm just keeping it real. This is what the Lord shows me. Maybe I may be beside myself. I don't think I am. I think I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit and the Lord shows me. It's, it's, it's again that clutch fist of man saying, we have the technology. We have the wisdom. We want to build this tower to be like God. And it's not okay. I mean, I use Apple products, but I'm not caught up in that. Again, it goes back to who are you worshiping? You can use these things without being turned out to them. It's the people that are, they, they're trying to fill that void in their heart with everything else other than Jesus Christ. And they worship this stuff. And it's just stuff. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 tells us, Covetousness is idolatry, therefore identifying idolaters as those who worship money and what it can buy. Again, liars too. They're all excluded from the new Jerusalem. The application is this. The point of this verse is not to make an exhaustive list or to suggest that only these sins are considered. The point is that anyone who persists in this type of behavior, I just talked about it a moment ago, those who are living this lifestyle, they reject Christ and refuse to repent. Those are the ones that are going to find themselves separated from God for eternity. And, and Paul talked about this. You can read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11. through 11. I won't read it for the sake of time, but Paul talks about people that were caught up in all those kind of lifestyles, but were forgiven. They were forgiven because their desire was to change. And the Lord gave them the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to become convicted, and they were changed and they were saved. So the Lord can reach down into the into the miry pit and take the most wretched sinner out of the most wretched condition don't ever count somebody out but it's upon the individual to respond to the calling upon their lives if they truly want to be saved amen all right revelation chapter 22 verse 16 it says i jesus have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches i am the root and the descendant of david the bright morning star okay jesus said he sent his angel to testify to uh, <clears throat> to the apostle. Much of the book of Revelation it seems to be either too fantastic or seem too good to be true, but it's all true. The very God of all creation has inspired men. He's given the apostle John the highest authority to write this book. The reality is this. It's either nothing but a blasphemous forgery Unworthy of the respect of men, and especially unworthy having its place in the sacred canon of Scripture, or it is one of the most directly inspired and authoritative writings ever given. And I believe it's the latter. To testify to you about these things to the churches. Again, the book of Revelation is written to you and to me. We are considered the Iglesia. We are the church. It's not this building. It's us together. We are the church. This is written for us. This is not a private affair knowable only to the so-called elite this is for all believers this is why you know have a bible we're not one of those churches where it's like i'm the only one with the information you have the information seek it out (laughs) find it to be true find it to be false then we got a problem but 
find it to be true, look for yourself. I'm not ragging on, I don't really want to go there, but we all know other churches where it's like only the dude with the big fluffy Pillsbury dough hat got the Bible. And it's like, that's not right. That's not okay. The people, the parishioners, as they call them, they should be able to read. Why only have this dude with all the information? That's, that's you're manipulating and using a power scheme right there. So you can stay in control and so you can manipulate people to do what you want them to do. Because you give people power when you give them the information. Because now they can make the informed decision by themselves. Well, not by themselves, but along with the Holy Spirit revealing things to them. And that's dangerous to those who are holding control. Because they don't want anybody vying for their power. You see how wicked man can be. Okay, we see the root and offspring of David. This is a precious messianic title. I have to read this for the sake of context. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 through 5. It says, there, They shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. God bless you. The Spirit of wisdom and undeserving. The Spirit of uh, understanding. Excuse me. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. This shows that Jesus is both the creator of King David and also his descendant. And only God can do that. Only God can be that. Jesus spoke the same idea in Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 through 46. Again, this idea of the bright morning star. This is another messianic title from the Old Testament. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. And in the New Testament, we, we've already gone over it uh, weeks back. Revelation chapter 2, verse 28. Just as the morning star shines and welcomes a new day, so does Jesus Christ. And that's when we are going to see the new heaven and the new earth. All right, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The spirit and the bride say, come. Who to come? Anybody who hears can come to Jesus, but they can't come unless they hear. Anyone who thirsts can come to Jesus Christ, but they can't come unless they feel the desire of thirst. They're like, I'm parched. My, my life is dry. I need something. And then they, you can come to Christ. The application is this. Whoever desires can come, but they can't come unless God works in their heart to desire him. You see, someone has to have a desire to want the Lord. And sometimes we have to be brought down very low to a breaking point to we're broken many times. Maybe you're not in the gutter physically, so to speak, but your life, your heart is broken. And then you're in a position you can receive the Lord. But when you're filling your heart with all this nonsense and you're, you're, you know, you're distracted by all the gizmos and gadgets and things and activities, it's hard to serve God. It's hard to see your need for Jesus because you're consumed by all the things the world has to offer. But once you've run through all those things and you found that it doesn't, the luster wears off quick... <laughs> and you can't, you can't keep filling that void, then you come to a place where you, you, you desire him. So how do you know if God has worked in your heart? Well, go through a checklist. Have you heard? Are you thirsty for God and eternal life? Do you want him? If you answered yes to all those, then come. Whoever desires him, let him take the water of life freely. This is an open invitation to receive from Jesus Christ. He will not exclude anyone who comes to him. But get this, this is the application. An invitation is both an opportunity and a responsibility. If we decline an opportunity, we only have ourselves to blame. That's it. We only have ourselves to blame if we decline the invitation. A similar invitation is extended in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. That's a beautiful thing. They're say, he's saying, man, if you just come to the Lord, 
He's going to provide for you everything you need. He's going to fill your vats. You're going to be strengthened and filled in him. He's going to give you a reserve of what you could never give to yourself on your own. The invitation to come is an urgent command, and the day will arrive when it is too late to come. Now is the day of grace. We see the statement, whoever desires him, let him take the water of life freely. Again, this is an invitation so great that we can do nothing but glory in it because it's the Lord's great opportunity he gives to us. Anyone who desires salvation in Jesus can come to him and take the water of life freely. Many people say, well, I can't, I can't, I can't live the life you know, the right way. It doesn't say you live life right. It says you just come to him. Any, we have all these excuses, but the reality is we just have to come to him. If we come to him, he will receive us. It's really this simple. If you desire Jesus Christ for salvation, then come. You don't have to have the strength to do it. You just have to have the desire. And then you allow him to do that work. The application is this. Don't miss this. This is very important. There is no barrier between you and Jesus Christ except yours and mine are stubborn wills. That's it. A stubborn will will keep you from Christ. That's it. He's made it perfectly as simple as he can available, himself available for all of creation. But we must take that and, and run with it. All of the world's religions can be summed up in the idea that they must bring something to give unto their false gods. The essence of Christianity is summed up in the idea that God invites us to take the water of life freely. You can't bring anything to save or justify yourself before God, but you can take the salvation he offers. This is a beautiful thing. This is fitting that this great invitation closes the book of Revelation. All the prophets of the Bible, all the apostles of the Bible, all the promises of the Bible gather themselves up to focus themselves into this one thing, coming to Jesus Christ, coming to take the water and drink it freely. I have a couple more verses. Verses 18 and 19. It goes on to say, I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him plagues that are described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the prophecy of this book, or the book of this prophecy, excuse me, God will take away his share of the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Okay. The whole point is this. Don't mess around with scripture. It is what it is. Don't, don't try to water it down. Don't try to be all wise and add to it your own interpretation. You know, allow the scripture to speak for itself. There is a high price for tampering with the book of Revelation specifically and scripture in general. This is a solemn warning to critics who have tampered with this book and other portions of scripture in an arrogant, self-confident kind of way. Believing that they are equipped intellectually and spiritually to determine what is true and what is not true in the word of God. This promise also implies that the book of Revelation can be understood so we don't have to be in fear of it. We don't have to be intimidated by it. You just have to, I have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us through it and give us the discernment to understand what the Word is saying. So the whole point in that is don't tamper with the book. You don't want to be getting none of the plagues. You don't want your portion of the tree of life cut out because you want to be cute about something. All right, last two verses, 20 and 21. It says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Okay, so we see this portion. It says, I am coming quickly. To the very end, the book of Revelation emphasizes the readiness to be watchful. If we miss this practical lesson from this book, the lesson of readiness, then we miss the essential meaning of the book. He wants us to be ready at any moment. That means live a life that is above reproach. Live a life that is holy. You're set apart. Live a life that is consecrated unto him. Don't say, well, I could just live however I want and just show up here. No, you should be living like that every single day of your life because you don't know when Christ is coming. Do you know how many times me and Veronica have gone to an argument and I was in the wrong and then something went on and she wasn't in the bed or she wasn't around. I thought they all got raptured. I'm like, Dad, I got lost. I got left. I don't want to live here. 
I'm serious. The enemy, the enemy, I mean, it sounds funny, but the enemy will play tricks on you. And I'm like, man, man I screwed up bad. <laughs> like, Lord, did you really take us? I'm like, I know she was right. I know I was wrong. <laughs> I'm like, man, Lord, this is not good. But it's real. So, so live ready. Live ready expecting Christ to return. Next we see the statement, I am coming quickly. If it were not enough, Jesus puts emphasis on both sides, saying surely before and amen after that. So we know that with this phrase, the Apostle John uses this idea related to an Aramaic expression that was well known in the ancient church. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I botched it all week long practicing. Daniel, can you pronounce it? It's uh, M-A-R-A-N-A-T-H-A. Is it Marathana? Maranatha. Okay, Maranatha. Okay. And so it's this whole idea of it means Lord, the Lord is coming quickly or come, Lord, come. Okay. The book of Revelation, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to be ending so uh, Michelle and Isaiah can come up. The book of Revelation concerns many prophetic events, but the book closes with John's longing for the return of Jesus to his people. He wants the church to be raptured. And the application is this. At the very close of this book, it is the confession that answers, that answers the problems of life. That it's not that we need all these other things. We need to return to Christ. We need to return to Jesus. The, in the course of human affairs, we need Jesus. We don't need this and that, more self-help groups. No, we need Christ. It's not about what party is controlling the Senate. We need to keep our focus on Jesus because no political party is going to save us from what lies ahead. The God of this universe, he controls the ultimate outcome of every event in life. And, that, and we see this last portion. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. Amen. The Bible ends with the word of grace and grace for all. The Apostle Paul uses this phrase as a final word in some of his letters. It's a good word for the close of this marvelous picture of God's gracious provision for his people in earth and in heaven. Whatever you miss in this book, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ always be with you. In whatever points that you feel like you fail, may we never come short of the grace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you see, in the last verse of the Old Testament, it contained a curse. Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 tells us, And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. But fittingly, the last words of the New Testament speak of grace, because grace describes God's dealing with man on the basis of his new covenant. May we be those who take heed to this new covenant and walk with him in love in truth, and in light today. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for, uh, Lord, you just, you, you took us through this journey, and it's been an awesome journey to go through the book of Revelation, to be blessed by the truth of what you have for your church. The fact that you give us clear warnings and depictions of things to come, you, so to speak, let us see around the corner, and we know what's coming ahead. So, Lord, may we be those that are equipped to do the right thing today so that we could be ready for what lies ahead. Father, I pray that you would bless everyone that has heard this word this morning and that we would respond with the invitation and share that with others around us. Again, Father, may your will be done on earth as it even as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.